Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. My choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Good morning, everybody. I am your host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are. There's a lot of new listeners to this show this morning, I'm sure. Saturday, wild card weekend, no college football to worry about. Folks, I'm not one to overpromise and underdeliver, but we are so packed today. This could be, could be a better show than last week when it was just off the hook with information and news and takes on takes. Folks, we, we obviously have to start with the biggest story in sports. 
the falling apart New England Patriots. I mean, we've been on this story for about a month now. You guys have been along for a fun ride. We have been all over this since December. We saw some cracks in the facade of the Patriots Foundation when Bill Belichick banned Tom Brady's spiritual guru. And I, you know I love saying spiritual guru. I mean, guru just sounds like a snake oil salesman, doesn't it? As soon as he was banned from the sidelines in the team plane, you knew something was amiss. It felt like a power play. Bill Belichick dropping the hammer on his quarterback, who he loves. But wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Just how dysfunctional are these Patriots? And when that story from Seth Wickersham, the ESPN writer, who's going to be joining this show in about 25 minutes, so definitely keep it locked, the author of the piece coming here on Fox Sports Radio to talk about it. I've known Seth for a while. Uh, We've run into each other at Super Bowls. Good reporter and all these dopes in New England who are bashing ESPN over this. Oh, it's just more hatred for the Patriots, folks. This is nothing like Spygate or Deflategate. Okay, those were Patriots hunker down into a bunker and fight the world. This is that bunker is like, you know, Game of Thrones in there right now. That's what it feels like. It is ugly. And this is the end of the Patriots dynasty. It is over. You cannot bounce back from something like this. I mean, we've seen ugly endings before, right? The Packers and Brett Favre. Kobe and Shaq with the Lakers, obviously. But this feels different. And everybody wants to play the blame game, and we are going to get to who is the biggest to blame for this. I mean, how does an NFL dynasty, the best the football has ever seen before, go from becoming a a, a Norman Rockwell painting, and then it turns into Norman Bates? Because that's what it is. Backstabbing everywhere. You guys know a good fight is never clean, right? And that's what this is, a fight. This is a fight for survival. Bill Belichick wants to win without Tom Brady. And he had it all set up by drafting Jimmy Garoppolo. But Tom Brady's fighting for his job. He wants to be the first 40-year-old quarterback to thrive at an advanced age. Is that going to happen? Is Bob Kraft going to let him? And that's why this is an ugly fight. Think about this for a second. Here's how you need to think about the Patriots. After that story popped Thursday night, If any of the players had to meet with coaches Friday or whether it's today or Monday, when that first meeting happens, everybody's going to look around at each other and be like, oh, are you the one who leaked that? Hey, hey, how did you get that story? Hey, where did that come from? Only you knew about that. The finger pointing in New England is going to get really ugly, really ugly. How do you look at anybody and wonder, geez, Josh McDaniels. Hey, Josh, are are you going to be sticking around? I saw you're interviewing all over the league. Hey, Matt Patricia, defensive coordinator. What's your next stop? How vested are you in this when a story like that pops just as assistants are interviewing everywhere else? In a perfect world, people, I, I would be the lucky guy to get the first interview with Bill Belichick. The one-on-one interview, right? So, in that perfect world, the first question I would ask Bill Belichick, and I don't know if you guys agree with me, but my first question after reading that story and following the Patriots for almost two decades now, Bill, did you 
trade Jimmy Garoppolo out of loyalty to Tom Brady? That would be my first question. And the answer would have to be yes. He didn't want to trade Garoppolo. We know that. And then the follow-up. I'm envisioning a Frost-Nixon type situation here. Me and Bill Belichick sitting face-to-face. The world watching. Bill, did Bob Kraft tell you to trade Jimmy Garoppolo? Did Bob Kraft order the code red? And folks, the answer has to be yes. Think about it like this. Bill Belichick has gotten where he is, the top of the mountain. Ruthless. That's that's the best word to define how Bill Belichick has got to where he is. He's a ruthless GM. Absolutely cutthroat. You hear the phrase, hey man, it's not personal, it's just business. That's like Bill Belichick's motto. He don't care about nobody. They've traded superstars. They've traded guys who were utterly dominant. Offense, defense, it doesn't matter. Bill Belichick got to where he is by being just an absolute ruthless businessman. And sometimes that's what it takes. And and when you remember that, that Belichick is so cutthroat, how can you justify in a two-month span Bill Belichick tra- trading G- Jacoby Brissett for a wide receiver who has, I believe, 12 catches this season? He's bar- Philip Dorsett's barely used. And then he turned around and traded his other backup quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, for a second-round pick when everybody was offering much more six months earlier. And keep in mind, the starter, Tom Brady, is 40. So you're talking about, again, I'm putting the pieces together for you, ruthless businessman, Bill Belichick, gets to where he is by making all the right decisions and winning every trade. And then in a two-month span, he just hands away two quarterbacks? When his starter is 40? Something does not add up there. And that's a question that Belichick has not answered. Kraft has not answered. Obviously, Brady can't answer it. But when everybody's sitting around this weekend, and you're going to be watching football, whether it's the bad wild-card game to start today, uh, or, or the bad wild-card game to start tomorrow, you're going to be sitting around with your buddies, and you're going to play the blame game. Who is most at fault here? I'm looking my my producer and my sound guy right in the eye right now. Who do you blame for this Patriots disaster? I don't know. <laughs> well played, Sam. Because are you going to blame Tom Brady for wanting to stay forever? Folks, you can't. He, he, he's 40. He's an MVP candidate. He may win the MVP award. And, and let me just add in quickly, how petty is Bill Belichick being not giving Tom Brady the quote-unquote Patriot of the Week award all season and Tom Brady may be the MVP of the NFL? You're not good enough to be the MVP of our team for one week, but good enough to be MVP of the league. Like, that is ultra-petty Bill Belichick. The fact that Tom Brady actually cares about that, I, that's, I think that speaks volumes. Because think about it, okay. What do you do if you're Bill Belichick? Do you just hand it to him after the after the first playoff game just to get that out of the way? Or is Brady going to see that as, hey, I, I don't want it now. Now you know it hurts me. I don't want it now. Folks, this blame game is is just, I mean, you could go multiple directions. I, I don't think you can blame 
the spiritual guru, Alex Guerrero, Brady's guy. Oh, he's a meddling outsider getting inside the best organization, and he's all sinister like a bad guy uh, on a MacGyver episode. Listen, did I just mention MacGyver, an, an 80s television reference? That was lovely, Jason. Um, I don't think you can blame an outsider for turmoil amongst Bob Kraft, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady, who have been together thriving for, what, 16, 17 years now? Did Brady go to the coach? Uh, I'm sorry. Did Brady bypass the coach and go to the owner and say, hey, man, I'm not going anywhere. Trade Jimmy G. Remember, Brett Favre tried something similar. Do you guys remember this? In Green Bay. But the old gunslinger made a mistake. He retired. Then tried to come back, but it was too late. Green Bay told him, hey, man, we're good here. We got Aaron Rodgers. Thank you for your services. It was an awesome run. We love you. I mean, it's an incredible situation unfolding in New England. I believe this is the end of the dynasty. And here's one thing that Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers didn't really have to deal with that Shaq and Kobe absolutely did not have to deal with, and that's social media. I don't know how in tune you are to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, but I'll tell you, anybody under 30, anybody under 35 is living on social media. They are on it on all day in their pocket. They know what's going on. They're reading this. Fans are tweeting at them. Fans are inundating their Instagram comment section. There's no escaping this. At least Favre and Rogers could go to their respective corners. I think Twitter was in its infancy when that went down. Not nearly as big as it is now. Instagram, I don't even think existed. And listen, Patriots fans chomping at the bit to call in. You know, I'll open the phone lines, 877-996-6369. But, I mean, there's so many layers to this. I don't know if you're going to be good enough to get through. You can try. You know, Rob's going to be prepared to take calls, and maybe somebody smart will be able to cut through. But... Once again, I am declaring the Patriots dynasty over. And I'm going to leave you with this quote. The journey to greatness often begins the moment that challenge and contribution become more important than comfort and ease. I actually saw that on a bumper sticker a couple years ago. But two months ago, it was smooth sailing for the Patriots. Well, at least that was the perception from the outside. Now the curtain has been pulled back. Everyone can see how really ugly it is in New England. If they somehow, somehow manage to pull off this Super Bowl win, (laughs) that would be the most impressive one Belichick and Brady have done yet. I don't see it happening. I don't see Belichick sticking around. And folks, coming up next, there is only one person you can blame for this Patriots disaster. I'll tell you who that is next on The Big Lead, Fox Sports Radio. Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Man, this John Gruden stuff. Let me tell you my quick John Gruden theory before we get back to the Patriots. So you know Derek Carr, the uh, Raiders quarterback, is a heavily religious, goes to church a lot, very, you know, abstaining from curse words and all that. You guys know John Gruden swears like a sailor. I mean, he spent his life in a locker room. And he sounds like it. That's just, uh, again, there's a lot to watch in this uh, Gruden Raiders thing. 
just keep an eye on Gruden's abrasive personality. Very raunchy, I'm told, in the locker room. A lot of obscenities. How's that going to play with Bible-thumping Derek Carr? And I'm not wishing ill upon them. I like Carr a lot. Uh, Just keep an eye on that aspect of the relationship. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. So one of the new things I'm doing on this radio show, I'm not going on Twitter in between commercial breaks because I know you guys just light me up and get angry about the one thing I said. So I had it open on the screen, and I can see the numbers in my mentions ticking up, 5, 10, 50, you know, and I just refuse to click on it. I'm not going there. So tweet at me all you want. I might go, like, during the long commercial break, but... Again, if you're angry and you want to call in, 877-996-6369. So this is going to tick off some Patriots fans, understandably so. But I asked, who do you blame in the Patriots' dysfunctional end to their dynasty? And I, I do not blame Tom Brady. Okay? Think about the end of your career and whatever it is. You want to go out on your terms. Tom Brady does not want to go out yet. He thinks he can play forever, and I don't blame him. He's not the first athlete to think that. He's certainly not the last athlete to think that. And I don't blame Bill Belichick for what's happened. He tried to do the right thing, which is transition from Tom Brady to Jimmy GQ. He tried to do that. I blame Bob Kraft, the Patriots owner. Leaders are supposed to be honest with themselves. And Kraft absolutely was not. 76-year-old man. And it's pretty clear Tom Brady played him. Bill Bill Belichick wanted to move on from Brady to Garoppolo. Brady was not ready to move on. Bob Kraft said, well, I like Tom a lot. I don't want to be the bad guy who signs off on trading the greatest quarterback in NFL history. I don't want to look like the bad guy. Bill Belichick does not care about looking like the a-hole. He does not care. Bill Belichick is like, I don't care what you think of me. Bob Kraft is different. Just remember, leaders are supposed to be honest with themselves. Bob Kraft of the Patriots was absolutely not honest with himself. Now, to Brady and the blame game. Remember this. There are no happy endings. Endings are the saddest part in sports. This is undeniable, people. I'm going to take a quick jog down memory lane. I I, I mentioned some athletes um, who've had difficult retirements. And, and, and Rob, I'm going to throw a couple names at you here. Legends. Legends. Maybe not on par with Tom Brady, but in the, in the same galaxy. Hakeem Olajuwon. Hakeem the Dream. Remember him, Rob, NBA star? Drafted first overall by the Rockets. Spent 17 years in Houston. Two NBA titles. Went back to back when Michael Jordan had went to try to play baseball. Remember what happened at the end with Hakeem Olajuwon, Rob? You probably don't. Oh, you do? I, 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 I would guess no, nobody remembers this. Hakeem Olajuwon was offered a deal with the Rockets and they were rebuilding. And he's like, nah, I'm good. Trade me. Trade me! 17 years in Houston. Pillar in the community. Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon spent his final season with the Toronto Raptors. 
Listen, man, I, 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 I just said it. There are no happy endings in sports. Endings are the saddest part. You guys remember this guy, uh, Michael Jeffrey Jordan? Kind of known as the best player in NBA basketball history. He retired after three straight titles. That was supposed to be his happy ending, right, Sam? Michael Jordan couldn't deal with it. He just had to play, had that itch. He came back with the Washington Wizards. Does anybody remember that? Two seasons with the Wizards. Sam, did he make the playoffs either of those years? Do you remember? Um, I would say maybe one of those years or none. 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 Michael Jordan, an icon in Chicago, all-time greatest NBA basketball player, decided to come back and try to play. No, nobody wants to retire. These guys are used to the adulation and the fame. Who wants to give that up? How about this? I, I This is crazy. For the baseball fans out there, Pedro Martinez, one of the greatest pitchers in Boston Red Sox history, won a, won a title. The last team he pitched for, the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, <laughs> Pedro Martinez. I'm, I'm not kidding. How about this one? Ken Griffey Jr., the kid. Legend. Love, love, love me some Ken Griffey Jr. At 38. He spent half a season with the Chicago White Sox. I'm not making this up. This is real. Now, Griffey ended up coming back to the Mariners as like a a sayonara. But I'm telling you, endings aren't pretty in sports. And, of course, we've got to go to what I think is the gold standard in the NFL and Joe Montana. This is Joe Montana's exit could have been similar to what happened to Brady. Okay, so Montana was essentially the Brady of the 80s and 90s. Dashing good looks. Magazine cover boy, beautiful wife, multiple Super Bowl rings. How's this? Joe Montana was the MVP of the NFL in 1990. Brady could be the MVP this year. Montana lost in the NFC title game, a game nobody who was watching football then can forget. Madden and Summerall had the call. Giants 49ers. Late in the game, 49ers trying to mount a comeback. Montana steps up in the pocket, gets absolutely pulverized by Leonard Marshall. Uh, an iconic hit in NFL history. It looked like it broke his back. It did wreck Montana. He had to come out of the game. Folks, he would play one more game as a 49er. Montana, again, this is a guy who was the MVP of the league in 1990. Got hurt in the preseason, and he was 35 the next year. Missed the entire season. Ligaments, tendon issues. Steve Young came in. You remember what Steve Young did. Pretty good year. 10 and 6, things went well. And what happened the following year? Montana was still hurt. He's not ready. Steve Young is the MVP of the NFL. And Joe Montana was like, well, listen, I I I I, I was the I was the guy here. What what are we gonna do? And all of a sudden, they say, you know what? Thank you for your service, Joe Montana. We loved you. Um, but we've got Steve Young now. Listen, endings are not pretty. This is what should have happened to Tom Brady, but a a little fly in the ointment, guys. Tom Brady never gets hurt. Never got hurt. Never really gave Garoppolo that in. There was the suspension, the four-game suspension. Garoppolo comes in with lights out. Then Garoppolo gets hurt. And it's just like, oh, man. Dang. That was the end. That was the end for the Patriots. But they go on to win the Super Bowl. Now Brady's the MVP. So what do you do? And this is where I blame Bob Bob Kraft. He, as the owner, 
should have sat down with Belichick, said, hey, you're the GM who orchestrated us to all these Super Bowl rings. Dude, what do you want to do? I'm the owner. You tell me. The problem is Brady had already got in Kraft's head, and he's like, I can't trade this dude. He's my guy. We've been through too many wars together. Endings are not pretty in sports. And this one, man. It's good. But uh, let me ask you before we go to break, Rob, I, I know you're a big, huge Patriots hunk. Where do you fall on the blame game? I, I'm 100% craft. And then, uh, Sam, I'm curious as to your thoughts. Who who do you blame in all this? I agree with you. It's on Bob Kraft. I mean, um, um, owner's not supposed to meddle in team player decisions. And I think Bill Belichick has earned the right to call the shots. He's been very successful. And he seemed to know what he had in Jimmy Garoppolo. And if Bob Kraft was going to let Tom Brady influence him, then that's on him. That's he's to blame for whatever's going to happen. And as a result, the next few months, if you're yes. Belichick, do you bounce? Oh yeah, I hundred percent. Sam, I agree, Kraft as well. I mean, it, we would all sort of adjust to it after if they did trade Tom Brady away. You know? Oh yeah, we, we yeah. would adjust. Like we'd all be kind of like maybe a little inflamed by it too. Like just like, oh, how could he do that? But. Eventually, you see that he's got Garoppolo waiting in the wings, and you see it was a good business move. So Yeah, and yeah. people would have forgotten it instantly because, dude, you got Jimmy Garoppolo. All right, folks. I, I, I just This is a fascinating story. I know uh, the anti-Patriots fans are going to be like, dude, too much Patriots. We'll get to wild card picks. We're getting to the college football playoff, by the way. It's going to be ugly. But first... Let's talk to Isaac Lowenkron for the latest in sports. Morning, Jason, and Happy New Year. We've got a budding basketball controversy coming up shortly, but we begin in the National Football League, where Ian Rappaport of NFL Media reported this morning that the Carolina Panthers are closing in on a contract extension for head coach Ron Rivera through the 2020 season. Rappaport also reporting this morning that the Green Bay Packers requested permission to interview Seahawks general manager John Schneider for their general manager job, but the Seahawks denied the request. Schneider is a Wisconsin native who had worked for the Packers on two prior occasions. This report presented by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Finally, Jason, in a story our producer is forcing me to talk about, we have a development in the Lithuanian basketball adventure of Leangelo and LaMelo Ball. The newest members of Priyanai Vitautis did not make the trip to today's road game against Leotuvos Ritus, because as Jeff Goodman reported, Leotuvos Ritus did not allow the cameras from the Ball family reality TV show into their arena. Donatus Urbonus, also known as the Adrian Wardunowski of Lithuania, asked Prianai Vitatus head coach Virginijus Seskus why the Balls did not make the trip, and he replied, quote, Ask the front office, unquote. But come on, give me a break, Leah Tuvos Ritus. Hold on, hold on. I got to stop. Isaac, I, I got to ask this question. They would not allow the cameras in the arena so the balls would not play? I just don't get the sense that Leah Tuvos Ritus is overwhelmed by international media. It's not like they're the Golden State Warriors, so one would think that a visiting team would welcome all the publicity it could get. I'm just saying. Unbelievable. Yes. Unbelievable. All right. Thank you, Isaac. My gosh. It's always something with the Ball family. Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. 
I'm your host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Uh, Folks, our guest right now, probably the most hated man in New England, Boston. Maybe we could just call the entire Northeast. Uh, Northeast is under a blizzard, but joining the show now, guy I've known for a long time, one of the best journalists in the business, Seth Wickersham, ESPN, the magazine. Seth, good morning. How are you? Good morning. And, you know, my my in-laws in Boston still love me, I think. (laughs) But I got to start with the obvious. Any uh, any death threats? Any really nasty, ugly stuff from that terrible fan base in New England? No, no. Good to hear, man. No, I'm glad they're. Fine. I'm yeah. glad I they're mean, acting their I, age. I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure that on Twitter, you know, I, I haven't read a lot of it, but I'm sure that you know people were replying. But it's totally it's it's okay, and that's what makes you know that make that's what makes this you know, fun and would make some great fans. The first thing I, I, I said to people when they were like, oh, it's ESPN going after the Patriots again. I said, uh, guys, did you read Wickersham's last story, the Seattle Seahawks one? I mean, come on, they cop to everything. Like, this guy's a great journalist. All right, Seth, here's where I, I mean, there's a million places to go. I know you got your time is limited and you're getting pulled in a million directions. Let's start here. What is the deal with Bill Belichick not giving Tom Brady the Patriot of the Week award? I got to say, I looked this up. Uh, Tom Brady has been the offensive player of the AFC twice this season. Is this Belichick's pettiness for uh, Tom Brady going to Bob Kraft and saying trade Garoppolo? Well, I, I no, I don't think so. But, like, first of all, it was hilarious. Like, one of the beat writers said that the Patriot of the Week award didn't exist. Of course it exists. <laughs> Michael Lombardi went on WEEI and talked about exactly why Belichick gives out the Patriot of the Week rather than, you know, he also gives out different awards, uh, you know, as the week goes on. But there is definitely a Patriot of the Week award. And uh, I think that, you know, it doesn't always go to a player who had to have played in the game. You know, uh, it's just somebody who embodies the spirit of the Patriots every week. And I think that I don't know why he's never given it to Tom. I think that he gives it to younger players sometimes to reward them and keep them going and inspire people. But I I don't know why. I just know that Tom has been vocal about the fact that, you know, no matter how many yards he throws for, how many game-changing throws he might make, uh, you know, he's like, well, how come I never get this? Yeah. And and, and people will say that's Tom Tom Brady just – just being kind of like, give me a break, dude. You've won five Super Bowls. What do you care about this for? But at the same time, why would Belichick not give it to him? I mean, does Brady not well, embody the Patriot spirit? Well, I, I don't know that. But I think that, like, you know, people need to understand that high-level, very competitive athletes volley behind, you know, they volley between supreme confidence and driving insecurity. And it's in the way that, like, most of us can't relate to. And I think that, you know, when stuff like that comes up, you know, remember Michael Jordan, you know, no slight was petty enough for him. And, you know, and so I think that, like, it needs to be viewed in that context more than, and and that's the context in which I wrote it, rather than maybe a divisive one. But he has wondered why. Yeah. Uh, All right, Seth Wickersham, let's get to the next question. Uh, I opened the show talking about Bill Belichick has gotten to where he is. By being a ruthless GM, anybody could be traded. He wins many trades. I don't care what you've meant to the franchise, your trade material. All of a sudden, he gives away two quarterbacks for next to nothing when his starter is 40 years old. Something does not add up there, Seth. Something just yeah, seems in a, a little month, off. In a, in a two-month span, I mean, you know, it, it just made no sense. And 
uh, it just, it, you know, that it made no sense to people in the building. And that's one of the reasons why I pursued the story was because I wanted to try to figure out the answer to that question as best I could. And I think that Bill fell back into a corner. Uh, he and Robert Kraft had a long meeting that, you know, his, the rest of his day got kind of blown up because of it. And he came out of it with the mandate to trade uh, Garoppolo. And the Patriots are going to push back on that, but it's absolutely what I've been told by multiple people over months. How close are Tom Brady and Bob Kraft? How would you characterize that friendship? Very close. Robert Kraft hugs him in front of the entire team. You know, it, it, the, Kraft refers to him as his fifth son. Oh. I mean, they're very, very close. <laughs> he refers to him publicly as that. But, yeah, I mean, you know, he'll go up to Tom and hug him in front of all the, the rest of the players. Jeez. So uh, from the outsider, you know, the outside perspective, well, it's pretty clear what happened here. Tom Brady cozied up to the owner, said, hey, I know Jimmy G's waiting in the wings, just like Aaron Rodgers was waiting in Green Bay, right, for Brett Favre to leave. The only difference here is Tom Brady never got hurt. (laughs) Tom Brady didn't want to retire. And so, Seth, I'm going to ask you, what should the Patriots have done? This is a a tough one because there's a lot of right answers. But what do you think the Patriots should have done to make this transition as smooth as possible? I I don't know. You know, I I don't know. It was a very complicated dynamic. And I think I do. I I can only tell you that there's people in the building who believe that if Don Yee were not the agent for both Garoppolo and Brady, Garoppolo would be a Patriot right now. Oh, so Don, Yee, it's in the story. It's in the story. Yeah. So, so, so uh, we're, again, we're talking with Seth Wickersham, ESPN, the magazine. He wrote the blockbuster Patriots story. So, can can you talk about how Don Yee came to represent Garoppolo as well as Brady? He's been with Brady for years, but why would he take on Garoppolo as well when they were both with the same organization? I, I don't know. You know, that's something I. I um, Is that like a unique no situation? I mean, an, uh, a, an agent own, uh, like representing two quarterbacks on the same team, that does seem like a conflict of interest. Yeah, you know, there's other agents in his, you know, in his business, mm-hmm. and so maybe he, you know, had one of the other agents, you know, primarily work with Jimmy. I, 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 that's something I don't know very well. But, you know, I do think, not to drive traffic to Sports Illustrated, all my friends there, obviously, I love them, but I think that Michael McCann wrote, a column about that yesterday, so I would probably just defer okay. to him on that one because he probably knows a lot more about it than I do. Talk with Seth Wickersham of ESPN, the magazine, who wrote the Patriots' uh, end of the dynasty story. All right, Seth, I, I, I've got to ask now about Bill Belichick. So he makes these trades he clearly did not want to. Then he bans Tom Brady's spiritual guru from the sidelines. Uh, are we setting up for Bill Belichick to walk away from the Patriots at the end of this? What, I mean, I had Greg Bedard on the show uh, last month. He said there was like a 1%, 2% chance that happens. Where would you put it at, that Bill Belichick leaves at the end of this season? Pretty low. I just think that there's a sense that it could happen and that he was so angry about the Garoppolo thing that, you know, that crossed his mind. Is it going to happen? I don't know, and nobody knows. Nobody knows. Only he knows that. I mean, you know... I'd imagine that he will be back next year. I think that it's likely, but, um, you know, he had an idea for how he wanted to retire. You know, he wanted his, his sons to be set up in their careers. He wanted the Patriots to be set up at quarterback long-term and have made that transition. And he wanted the Patriots to win. You know, he wanted the team to do well without him so that he could always say that he had the best interest of the team at heart. And that's why the Garoppolo trade made zero sense. 
It just doesn't make sense. And you looked at how he spoke about Garoppolo after the trade. You know, he he spoke about him like he was a great patriot who was retiring. I mean, you never hear Bill, you know, talk about players like that usually on their way out. It was a very abnormal situation. Uh, Seth Wickersham, let me get you out of here on this one. Uh Bill Belichick, from all the reporting you've done and the vibe you get from him, is he more likely to go to another team, or is he just so mad he would take his ball and go home and retire as the greatest coach of all time? I mean, the competitive spirit leads me to believe he ain't going nowhere. Uh, I don't think that he, you know, again, I think that if he coaches an NFL team, I think that it's with the Patriots. Um, I don't have any insight beyond that other than, you know, would he take some sort of, you know, Tom Coughlin type role somewhere. I, I don't know. You know, I remember in his, the book that he did with David Halberstam, he mentioned the idea of coaching in the Ivy League after he was done in the NFL. Um, I, but, you know, that was a long time ago. I, I just don't know. And, and last question, Seth. Uh, in the course of your reporting, did you get the impact that this would, this would have significant impact on the Patriots postseason? Again, we're having a whole week now where their coordinators are interviewing elsewhere, Right. And then they've got to host uh, probably the Chiefs next week. And, and and this is, you know, a team that kind of struggled down the stretch. Tom Brady had the worst month he's had in three years. You have to wonder, is it because of his age or all the stuff swirling? Is this the kind of thing that you could they could easily block out the players, the coaches, the front office? Or is this going to have an impact, you think, on their postseason? Oh, it'll have zero impact. I mean, zero impact? Zero. I, you know, they they're condition to you know this stuff and it's been happening all year in the building I mean, it's been a bad year in the building and I mean I think that there's a sense that Belichick has done a phenomenal job of keeping the building together they're 13 and 3 I mean it, you know it's been remarkable what he's done this year mm. wow darn as a longtime Jets fan Seth I was hoping for a you know first round flop and then Belichick leaves but uh hey listen great job on the story Seth and now uh, thanks for coming on the show and uh, Thank you. Uh, hey, listen, if you ever write about me, just come to me. Ask me. You don't have to report around me because I, I know I you're do. a great, I great journalist. Those guys too. I do it with all those guys, too. Don't worry. <laughs> all right, Seth all Wickersham. Right. Have a good one. Uh, boy, listen, Seth Wickersham, ESPN, the magazine. That was a, that's a great story. You got to read it. I, the one thing I cannot, I, I just cannot fathom how this has zero impact. Rob, that was the biggest shocker from the, he, he thinks this has zero impact on the organization. Like, I, to me, there's just no way. that This has got to completely rattle cages. Oh, I, I'm sorry. You think me to be shocked I'm stunned. by that? I'm lo- how, no. can, how do you face your teammates in, in the locker room? How do you face your coaches, your front office, when you know all this bleep is going on? Because they're there to do a job. And then what's next? Then, they, then they, after the season's over, then they go their separate I, ways. Yeah. There's a reason why they had a chant at their parade that says, do your job, do your job. <laughs> That's a good reference. Uh, oh, man. All right. That was interesting stuff from Seth. Coming up next here on The Big Lead, Fox Sports Radio, we're actually not going to talk about the Patriots for like two minutes. But don't worry. It's a better story. A quarterback coming into the NFL who should not be a top 10 pick. I'll explain next. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. All right, so I finally sucked it up after that interview with uh, Seth Wickersham and jumped on Twitter. And as expected, y'all were just tweeting at me heavily. It seems like this show's picked up big in the Northeast, Rob. 
I have many, many, many Patriots fans angry at me for my takes, my opinions, uh, going after Bob Kraft. Listen, I don't see... Uh, Patriots fans don't want to blame anybody. There's nothing wrong, nothing to see here. Guys, this is a disaster. Okay? The curtain has been pulled back. Brady's sucking up to the owner who hugs him in front of the team. Belichick not happy with that. I'm the guy who built this. I mean, this is this is the stuff dreams are made of. Like, you couldn't write a script this well. It's phenomenal. Well, Jason, you said a month and a half ago the Patriots dynasty was going to die soon. Dude, well. And you had different reasons. So now do you, do you feel more confident in that prediction? Oh, yes. I felt confident in this for about five years now. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I, I make no bones about it. Okay. Listen, guys, uh, my job here is to, is to get you to think differently about things and challenge you. Uh, and I don't have an agenda. I'm fair. I, I do kind of like the Jets and hate the Patriots, but that that doesn't uh, impact uh, you know reality here. I am joking around when I wish for the demise of the Patriots. It's good for the NFL. NFL was at its best when Brady and Peyton Manning were going head to head every year. That was the NFL at the top. The NFL is going to miss Tom Brady badly. Um, all right, haven't done any college football talk. We got Clay Travis, my man. Where's Clay living these days? Which one of these houses is he in this week? <laughs> I think Clay's in Tennessee, so we're going to talk a little college football with him in about 30 minutes. Um, I, I got to say, there's no juice for the college football playoff. There is like nothing. I've Okay, so the semifinal games were Monday, and then there was still some a buzz after the fact about the Baker-Mayfield-Georgia game. And then it was like, okay, NBA, what's up? NFL draft, Sam Darnold. NFL playoffs, let's go. And, and it's like there's no juice for the playoff. And I believe there would have been juice if Baker Mayfield were playing in this game. No juice. Because Baker Mayfield is interesting. He is a, quote, machine. He is a maybe future NFL quarterback. He is he's a, just a live wire of energy. And you don't have that with the quarterbacks in the game uh, Monday night. Fromm and Hurts, there's just no juice out of those guys. A quick word on Baker Mayfield. I need people to stop saying he could be the next Drew Brees. I need people to stop saying he could be the next Dak Prescott or the next Russell Wilson. I'm okay if you want to phrase it this way. Baker Mayfield, take it in the second round like Drew Brees was, could be Drew Brees. Baker Mayfield, if you drafted him in the third round like Russell Wilson, maybe could have that kind of career. Baker Mayfield, if drafted in the fourth round like Dak Prescott, could have that kind of career. But Baker Mayfield taken in the top 10, no, not going to happen. I mean, you could take him in the top 10, but it's not going to work. The learning curve for these big 12 quarterbacks, folks, I mean, it's significant. The best big 12 quarterbacks to play in the NFL in the last two decades, Sam Bradford, and the Big 12 back when he was a star is not the air raid joke that it is now. And Ryan Tannehill, who's who's not a good quarterback. Pat Mahomes, we'll see. Don't tell me about a couple preseason throws or Week 17 throws. But you can't draft Baker Mayfield in the top 10. The expectations, the burden, the spotlight, way too much. It just isn't going to work. It, 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 I do not believe you can draft Baker Mayfield in the top 10 and expect for greatness. All right, coming up next here. On the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. So if the Patriots are going to fall apart, who's taking it?
I'll tell you next. Hour number two here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. NFL wildcard weekend is here. I'm geeked. The matchups kind of stink, especially in the AFC. But I'm still excited. I love me some football. So we get football today. And don't forget, the JMU Dukes are playing for the uh, 1AA National Championship. Yes, I still call it 1AA. I don't care what you call it. Then you got two wild card games. First LA playoff game in about, what, 30-something years? I got a buddy who invited me. I may go. It's the scene there tonight is going to be lit. Okay? The Rams are in good shape. I'll give out my pick shortly. And then you got football tomorrow. Then you got the National Championship Monday night. Not a bad lineup. But the big story in sports that everybody's talking about is the New England Patriots and the end of a dynasty. We may have, I, I don't want to give away his name yet, but we may have a special guest joining us very shortly, a former New England Patriot who played on three Super Bowl teams in New England, catching passes from Mr. Tom Brady. We may have him joining us shortly. But first, I played the blame game in the first hour, and some people want to blame Tom Brady. Some people want to blame Mr. Bill Belichick. Others, they say, hey, you got to blame Bob Kraft. And that's where I put the focus. I believe Bob Kraft is to blame because leaders are supposed to set an agenda, make decisions, and the New England Patriots owner, Bob Kraft, absolutely did not do that. It's an astonishing situation that the owner would cuddle up and cozy up to Tom Brady. I get it, the best quarterback in NFL history. I totally understand that. But Bill Belichick created this dynasty. Bill Belichick put these teams together to build a five-time Super Bowl champ. And you're going to let that all go because of a relationship with Tom Brady? Just a stunning situation in Boston. And to help us decipher just how the hell this happened, joining us now on the show, three-time Super Bowl champ, NBC Sports Boston football analyst Troy Brown joining the show. Troy, good morning. How are you? I'm great, man. How are you guys? You're you're great because you're not in the locker room, right? <laughs> right, Troy. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot easier yeah, on the outside. I don't, I, don't to, I don't have to deal with that, man. You know, so I, I made my run already, so I'm good. Yeah, and, and, and Troy, uh, <laughs> l- l- let's start here. You were on three Super Bowl uh, champs in New England, and you know, you saw firsthand the Tom Brady relationship with owner Bob Kraft. And, and I got to ask you, you know, if you're going to blame somebody, do you blame Brady for what happened? Do you blame Bill Belichick? Do you blame Bob Kraft? Or is there someone else I, I'm I'm missing who deserves blame for what appears to be the end of the best dynasty in NFL history? Well, I, I, I haven't been around and, and hadn't been I haven't been in that atmosphere of what's going on right now. But you know, there seems to be a fourth person uh, mentioning all this stuff Uh-oh. as well. So. Uh... Are you going you know, to the spiritual I, I, guru? No, no, Is that I, who you can blame? I, I, I'm just saying this. I'm, I'm just saying. You know, I guess I don't know. I don't like. To, I don't like to, you know, jump into all that stuff like that as as well. But it, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff floating around out there, you know. And um, you know, as as a, a player, a former player, and a guy that still follows the team pretty close, 
you know, it's, it's sad to watch, you know, I hear a lot of that stuff coming out of there. You know, I don't know if there's any truth to all that stuff, but just to hear it, you know, it makes me sad, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, eventually a lot of these great things have to come to an end, but, you know, to hear it come to an end, uh, the way things are sounding right now, I mean, it, it's pretty sad, you know, and I don't know who to put the blame on right now, but, you know, I do know that they traded for Belichick in 2000. They traded the first round pick for him to come here and to turn this team into what it is. And, uh, you know, and, and a lot of those things are true, you know, that's just uh, what's going on out there right now. I mean, it's uh to find themselves without a quarterback on November 1st during the trade trade deadline and uh, praying that Brian Hoyer got through uh, waivers. So Brian they have a Hoyer. In the system. I mean, Troy, so, we're talking well, about Troy he knows Brown. The system. The good thing is he knows the system. <laughs> you know, you got to teach him the right. system, so he knows the system. So that's the great thing about it. You know, but yeah. at least they have a quarterback on the roster now that, that can back up Tom Brady. So they, they didn't have that guy for like, what, 48 hours there. So yeah. that, was, that was a scary thing. We're talking with Troy Brown, uh, three-time Super Bowl champ with the New England Patriots. Troy, uh, listen, again, you were with the Patriots for long enough to see how ruthless of a GM Bill Belichick is. He he fully followed the motto, listen, it's not personal, it's just business. And would, yeah. it, it, would you agree, even if you were on the losing end occasionally in your career uh, of decisions like that, you know, would you agree with that motto? Hey, man, nothing against anybody, but we're going to do what's best for the team. Would you agree with Bill Belichick's motto? Oh, no doubt. You know, if I was a coach and I was in that in that, in that position, I was a GM, I was, in, I was in that position, oh, no doubt you have to make those tough decisions. That's why, you know, you make that kind of money that, that you make and you're hired to do that job. You have to make tough decisions. And, you know, I was in that position when I saw him make that. Make the, I, was an, I was a player, you know, watching Drew Bledsoe go through those types of things as a player. And uh, and I watched how he handled that situation, and I said, that's that's the guy I want to be when it happens to me, because I knew it was going to happen to me at some point, you know, and then I saw other guys handle it differently, you know, and they went to the papers and they handled it in the media and said things and, 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 you know, things that, you know, hurt the team, uh, derogatory things towards the coach or whatever. And I didn't want to be that guy, you know, because I knew eventually it would happen. So, um, I had no, you know, when, when it happened, it happened to me twice, you know, later on down the line. So, uh, and I, and I knew. I mean, I had I just played defense for the team and got cut the following uh, all season. So I mean, um, I didn't have any hard feelings because I knew he had to make some tough decisions, and uh, that that's part of the business, and that's the way it goes. And and you move on, and 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 uh, you know, and and if you stay in this business long enough, yeah, if you stay in your business long enough, oh, yeah, you probably <laughs> yeah. Uh, off you off you stay in too yeah. long, you know. You're not going to leave the okay. way you want to Okay, leave. but Troy, let me ask so. you this, uh, and I would agree with you for, uh, wholeheartedly. However, there is a however. Does Tom yeah. Brady fall into that category, or is he in a special plateau where it's like, hey, man, this guy, uh, I believe two or three Super Bowl rallies in the fourth quarter to win titles. He's not just a guy you can cut. This is a if different— If Tom Brady stays in his business too long, it will definitely happen to him as well. If he stays in too long. You know, if he doesn't leave when he needs to leave and he stays in too long, it will happen to him. It happened to Brett Favre. It happened to Joe Montana. Well, well Troy, name, Brett Favre. Name, name another great yeah. player. It happened, to, it happened to Barry Sanders, who a guy who could still play. Well, again, uh, hold on, Troy. Troy, hold on. It, it, the yes. Brett Favre right. situation is unique because he, he told the team he was retiring and they were like, okay, we're moving on. Then he tried to come back. And, and I would agree with you that there's some similarities with Montana. He did have an injury, though. The problem with Brady was he never got hurt. 
and he's performing at an MVP level at 40. So what was the move? Yeah. How do you transition Troy, but listen, but I, I, from Brady I, I didn't to Jimmy say, G? I, I, said, I said if he stays in too long. Ah, okay. Well, but the, I, but the if, decision's if he stays made. In too long. They, they traded Garoppolo. You know, that, yeah. that was the thing. I think Belichick wanted to go to Garoppolo because he wasn't sure Brady uh-huh. could do it. Nobody's done this well at 40 as an NFL quarterback. And it, but if, but if you if you have ever seen Belichick make any moves, I mean he, he's done this, you know before. You know could Drew Bledsoe still play when he got healthy? Of course he could still play when he got healthy, but he felt like Tom Brady was the better choice. Lloyd Malloy was the Lloyd Malloy was still in the prime of his career. He decided to go with Rodney Harrison. You know, a guy who was at the, the back end of his career. Mm-hmm. They, they said so. He made those the tough decisions. So, and this was another another decision. What could I should I go with Tom Brady? He's gonna get another two, maybe three good years. Uh, do I transition to uh, Garoppolo, who's gonna give me possibly another great ten years? He was faced with that decision as well. So, and I, and I think he was probably gonna decide on Garoppolo, a guy who he had spent the last what seventeen years trying to find a guy exactly. Tom Brady, That's a quality exactly guy. It. But what he, happened, Troy? And he found, I think, I feel like he found that guy in Garoppolo. Yeah, I would agree with you. The problem is Tom Brady. Tom Brady he found that guy, and but he's not the ultimate guy to make that final decision because you got another guy that's sitting there that signs those checks, and he probably just saw what happened down the road in New York when they got all that blowback for bench, just for benching. Eli, yes, that's a great you know? point. So you got all that blowback down there. You saw all that happening. You know, do you want to deal with that PR nightmare in New England? That the way the Giants dealt with it, you know, a, a few weeks prior. So I mean, at, at the end of the day, I don't feel like it was his call at the end of the day. And and, and Troy Brown, I'll get you out of here with this. By the way, great point on the Giants. And Eli's only like thirty six or thirty seven. You know, and Tom Brady's at forty. I think Belichick saw that coming. So let me just ask you last question. What did you see anything unique in the relationship between Brady and Kraft? We had uh, the author of the ESPN piece on last hour, and he said Bob Kraft would hug Tom Brady in front of the entire team. He didn't do that with anybody else. Do you think Brady utilized that friendship to curry favor with the owner to keep his job? No, I, I've seen I've seen Robert Kraft hug a lot of players. He's, he's had a unique relationship with uh, Vince Wilford. A lot of those guys, Willie McGinnis, that was like his first draft pick when he came in. So he's, I've seen him do it with several different players. So, um, so and he's done it with Tom Brady as well. I mean, obviously that's his that's his franchise quarterback. The guys, you know, basically taking him to a lot of different places, you know, with his franchise. So, uh, you know, I mean, he may have a unique relationship with him. Something maybe different now that I, I've been I've been retired now ten years, believe it or not. But you know, that, that could be something different now because I mean, you got to look at the relationship with. Robert and Tom and those guys. Tom's forty years old. You know, most of those yeah. guys in the locker room, they don't even they don't remember Tom Brady, the Michigan Tom. They don't remember the guy that split time with Drew Henson. They have no idea who that Tom Brady is. And obviously, when Kraft walks in the locker room, he's got a different relationship with Tom Brady than he would have with the Deion Lewis. You know, so so things could be different with those guys now, uh, and when they see each other in the locker room. So yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure they have a great relationship now over the, what, the past 20 years they've been together. Yeah, you're right. They did Vince Wilfork dirty, too. Remember, he was a legendary Patriot. Vince, and Bill I mean, Belichick's like, hey, I, you hey know, it's I over, dog. I wouldn't say it's dirty. They've, they've, done, they've done business. I guess that's what you have to deal with, with where you look at it, man. And I've never had any hard feelings towards them because I, I had my mind made up that I wasn't, I wasn't going to be that guy to go that went out with, you know, being disgruntled and, 
you know, talking crap about the franchise or the coach or anybody else. So I just thought our business was done. And, and that's the nature of the, of the league, man. If you stay in too long, you know, you're not going to go out the way you want to go out. Totally agree. Troy Brown, thank you very yeah. much uh, for joining the show. Congrats on the Super Bowl victories in New England. And uh, enjoy, the, enjoy the wild card weekend. Hey, thanks, guys. Troy Brown. Listen, yeah, he's, he's, he's made a great point that I hadn't hear anybody else said. The New York Giants, did you see what happened when they tried to bench Eli Manning? <laughs> the blowback cost the coach's job. GM, see ya. Owner's like, man, y'all did him dirty. But it's a business. It's not personal. It's very difficult at the end. We saw it with Favre. We're seeing it with uh, – we didn't see it with Dan Marino, I don't think. I, I He just fell apart. He lost that playoff game. Dan Marino just said, I'm out. You know, there was, there was no, like, I'm coming back. Um, interesting stuff. All right, coming up next here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. You know, the, the college football national championship for the third year in a row is featuring two teams from the Deep South. Do you know how bad that is for college football? I'll tell you just how bad. Don't have a lot of time today for the NBA with all the NFL happenings. Let me just get in a quick 20-second uh, thing on Isaiah Thomas. Nick, uh, Tinder Nick, NBA in the house now. Nick, it's a joke that Isaiah Thomas spent two and a half years in Boston and was dictating the video tribute that he was going to get. My question, Zach Levine better demand a video tribute in Minnesota. Didn't they see Kelly Olenek got one or something? Kelly Olenek got a Oh, my gosh. This is unbelievable. Dude, listen, I know what Isaiah Thomas went through with the passing of his sister. Uh, and he played through injury, and he was a third-team All-NBA. Rob, don't put those headphones on like you've got a strong opinion on no, Isaiah I'm Thomas. Say is this that, is a joke. I'm teasing ahead. We will get into that in the NBA shooter on a very quick NBA shooter at the end of this. Oh, hour. an abbreviated. Okay. All right. We'll do I'm a quick just saying, one. There's going to be a hot take. Two and a half uh, seasons in Boston, you get a video tribute, and you're going to like say, oh, I don't want it then. I want it this time. And uh, Get out of here. Give me a break. Uh, back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Um, Georgia, Alabama. So my picks in the semifinals, I hit Georgia. I guess I got kind of lucky. Did not feel good when they were down 17 in the first half, and uh, I was wrong on Alabama. Uh, I think I wanted them to lose more. I nailed them in the regular season, but they're a different team with a month off. That was a, that was a brick by me taking Clemson. But Georgia Alabama is just a snoozer. I mean, seriously, there's not a lot to get excited about here. Okay, if you've seen the stats, you know this this should not come as a surprise. If you haven't heard this stat, you've been sleeping uh, for at least a year. Nick Saban has faced 11 of his former assistants. Or, I'm sorry, had 11 games against former assistants. He's been a favorite by an average of 17 points. He's 11-0. And no game has been closer. Has No game has been closer than uh, double digits. He's blown out all of his former opponents. How is anybody excited about this game? I'm trying to make a case for Georgia. And, and Clay Travis is going to come on here in a few minutes. And he loves Georgia in this game. I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. 
Alabama plays a boring brand of football. Georgia is a clone of Alabama. The game's not interesting. The ratings are going to be garbage. And this this is the third year in a row. You're going to have two set, two teams from the deep south playing for the national title. Nobody is excited about this. The only states that care are Alabama, obviously, Georgia, uh, Florida, and, and, and like South Carolina, Alabama, like anybody south of the Mason-Dixon line like cares. Mississippi, Tennessee. Folks, there's two NFL teams in that entire region. The Falcons, who are in the playoffs tonight, and the Titans, who stink. And they're in the playoffs today, I believe. Today, right? Yeah, Titans play later today. And there's only one NBA team, the Hawks, and they're the worst team, worst record in the NBA. So, like, there's nothing going on in SEC country. They will all be tuned in. The rest of the country doesn't care. College football is religion in the Deep South. It's everything to those people. So, yes, they care. But outside of the Deep South, nobody's talking about this game. I, You know, it, it, to me, it feels like 17-9 to 9 Alabama. Okay, Alabama's number one in rush defense. Number one. You think Georgia, who has two good backs, you think they're just going to do what they did to Oklahoma against Alabama? That's not going to happen. Georgia's 20th against the run. Absolutely nobody in the analysis I've heard. You know, you'll turn on the radio, you'll flip on the TV, people are talking about the game. Nobody has mentioned Oklahoma running back Rodney Anderson. 201 yards against the Georgia defense. Two, he rushed for 200 yards. Now, I know that that comes out of the spread a little different than uh, what Alabama does. They gave up a buck 67 to carry on Johnson of Auburn. Like, this game is going to be three yards in a cloud of dust. It's just going to be boring football. Like, I, I'm, I'm just not that into this game. Like, obviously, I'm going to watch. And underdogs in the championship game have done pretty well. Clemson's covered the last two years. Ohio State was a dog, I believe, against Oregon, and they won. Auburn covered against FSU in an epic game. You need contrasting offenses to to have an interesting game, and you don't have that. You just don't. These are clones of one another. And listen, I, I, since I know a little bit of what Clay Travis is going to say here in a few minutes, I'm going to get out in front of it. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, he's not very good. I get that. I don't know that he can read a defense. It's weird that Jalen Hurts is back with the star running back, Bo Scarborough, star receiver, Calvin Ridley, and Jalen Hurts isn't improved. But I got to say this, Jalen Hurts has not thrown an interception since the middle of October. One pick all year. Now, I know he's not splitting the atom back there and throwing it like Baker Mayfield. But I, I just, I, I mean, this is going to be Nick Saban coming in ultra-conservative, Let's hand off. Let's hand off again. Let's do the triple option. Let's do an RPO. You know, like, it's all running. It, this game's going to stink. On an interest level of 0 to 10, Nick, I'm at like, are the Lakers playing on Monday night? <laughs> Is Lonzo taking the court? Yes, Lonzo's back. But, I mean, I got to say, that Alabama-Clemson game was a snooze. Like, I, Clemson had a shot. I know people say it was a blowout. Clemson had a shot. It was They were down 10-6 in the third. Get the ball at like the 45. And it was like, oh, Clemson scores a touchdown. They're leading. This is a game. 
And then they had that weird, like, the quarterback, Kelly Bryant, got hit. And then the big kid, 94, picked it off. Uh, and then, you know, he caught the touchdown pass a few plays later. And it was like, all right, this is over. Like, that fourth quarter was unwatchable. And I feel like that fourth quarter is going to be the excitement level of Georgia-Alabama the entire game. Like, Alabama plays a boring brand of football. It's successful. It's winning because they have Nick Saban and they have the best players every year. And I know teams have had some success running on them earlier this year, but that was mostly when they were banged up. Clemson couldn't move the football against them. Alabama, this is how boring they are to watch. Alabama's scoring margin this year, plus 24, second in the country. Last year, plus 25, second in the country. 2015, plus 18, fourth in the country. They're boring and they blow people out. That's not good. A college football has to expand to eight teams. Maybe we'll get into that with Clay Travis in a minute. Uh, so, uh, yeah, coming up next, my man Rob, who's produced some of his shows, has down here on the sheet, he's the most dangerous man in sports media. Is that true? Clay Travis the most dangerous? I'm going to ask Clay about that. I think next. he'll agree with you. But, uh, well, of course he will. Of course you're going to agree with me, Clay. But first, let's get to Isaac Lowenkron for the latest in sports. Jason Ian Rappaport of NFL Media reported this morning that the Carolina Panthers are closing in on a contract extension for head coach Ron Rivera through the 2020 season. Rappaport also reported that the Green Bay Packers requested permission to interview Seahawks general manager John Schneider for their general manager job, but the Seahawks denied the request. Schneider's a Wisconsin native who had two prior stints, by the way, in the Packers' front office. The strikeouts continuing for Green Bay, apparently, Adam Schefter reporting they also requested permission to interview Raiders general manager Reggie McKenzie, but McKenzie declined the request. McKenzie spent 18 years in the Packers front office before being hired by the Raiders. And finally, Jason, in the NBA Friday night with A-Rod and J-Lo among those in the house. The Charlotte Hornets defeated the Lakers by 14 at Staples Center. The Lakers have lost nine in a row. How, how many in a row? Nine in a row. How many of those did Lonzo play in, Isaac? Uh, let's see. Last night was the he was back after missing six, so that was the third game that he played among those nine. Yeah, we're just gonna not. We're just gonna look away from that, right, Nick? We just pretend like that didn't happen and pretend like the Lakers don't have the second worst record in what the losing NBA. streak. All right, thank you, Isaac. Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, we're not going to talk about the Lakers. You know, uh, they're they're fun when Lonzo's playing, uh, but we got a college football championship game. It might put you to sleep Monday night. Uh, joining us now to make sense of the All SEC Showdown is uh, my guy Clay Travis. Clay, uh, good good morning. Which house are you in? I know you have multiple houses. Uh, what, what state are you in right now before the game? Yeah, I'm uh, in Nashville. We're uh, we're not down at the beach. It's uh, it's not beach weather anywhere in the south right now. Oh, jeez, so, uh, yeah. Down. Uh, so you, I'm headed. One of your many titles. You're the snow czar, right? Yeah, the southern <laughs> snow czar. I mean, if you're from the northeast or you're somewhere where it snows a lot, but uh, but no, it's been uh, absolutely brutal. And uh, so I'm driving down to uh, Atlanta tomorrow. I'm going to watch the. Uh, the, the playoff games with my boys today, I've got a fourth grader and a first grader, and this is kind of the first year they've been really plugged in on uh, on football, which is fun to be able to watch it with them. I imagine there's a lot of dads and moms out there who have been through this, raising your own kids. So uh, so we're watching the games today, and then I'll drive down tomorrow morning and get ready for uh, the games. We're doing my morning show, obviously, which is on Fox Sports Radio, Monday and Tuesday from Atlanta. 
So uh, I'll be there in person. Yeah, let me ask you real quick, Clay. Uh, either of your kids playing basketball this winter? Yes. I'm yes, coaching, we uh, have our season opener today. I'm so geeked for it, dude. I'm so are you the Are you the coach? No, I couldn't. I don't have time. I'm the assistant coach. Like, you know. Yeah, I'm the assistant coach, too. Exactly, so I've got, right? Last year, we had six-year-old boy basketball, and uh, this year I'm coaching seven-year-old boy basketball. So uh, we, have, we had a prolonged winter break, but uh, on Monday – we go back into practice, and the season re-ups uh, on, uh, on Saturday. So uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot more fun this year at 7 than it was was at 6. Oh, heck They, like, at least understand the concepts a little bit more. I, I, I was ready to pull my hair out on the sideline <laughs> last year. <laughs> Definitely. All right, so, Clay, uh, my man Rob here, you know the producer, he called you the most dangerous man in sports media. And I'm wondering how you're going to get us in trouble, so let me lob a softball your way to get started. Uh I, I saw you were talking about uh, Katie Nolan saying something about <laughs> about uh, the president of the United States. Where are you on the Katie Nolan situation? Well, you know, I know Katie well um, and have known her for for years because obviously she was at Fox, and uh, I like Katie. I like that she's uh, that she's fearless, that she'll say anything. Um, but uh, I, I think when you call, this is my my thing in general. If you call somebody stupid then to me, you have to be able to stand up. Like, you, anybody can have a stupid opinion, right? Like, oh, I can, I can have an opinion you disagree with. You can be like, oh, that's stupid, whatever, right? But in order to get elected president of the United States, whether you are Barack Obama, George W. Bush, George Bush Sr., you know, uh, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, you have to be fairly smart, yeah. right? I mean, I, I always say it's scary. Like, if you meet the person of the most average intelligence in the United States, What's scary is not how dumb you are when you have the most average intelligence in this country. It's that half of the people are dumber than that person, okay? So I think you're fundamentally not understanding, like, what intelligence is. And what all I said was you, you have to be at least one of the 25% smartest people in America to be capable of being elected president. In other words, I think just about everybody out there would agree that if you are dumber than average, you're not going to be able to get elected president. Like, you can't run a campaign. You can't read polling data. You can't show up and have any kind of coherent political philosophy. And some people might be saying, well, that sounds like Donald Trump. Well, I mean, look, the guy is smart uh, relative to the rest of the population of the country. Is he smart relative to, like, uh, the average lawyer or doctor in this country? I don't know that. I don't know what kind. I mean, he graduated from an Ivy League school he managed to run a multi-billion-dollar business. He managed to get elected from the, the president of the United States, have a successful television show. Uh, I think you could criticize Donald Trump for a lot, but being stupid, I don't think, is a fair criticism. And look, you can say whatever you want. This has been my hit on sports media in general. If Katie Nolan had said that about Barack Obama, then she would have gotten fired, right? There's no, and probably called racist. Uh, <laughs> ESPN would not have allowed her to say that. Yes, I would agree with everything. I don't think I could disagree with one ounce of that, Clay. Nailed it. All right, moving on, Clay Travis. Let's talk about the boring uh, All-SEC conference, uh, All-SEC title game. Uh, we're total disagreement here. I know you're in lockstep with my buddy Peter Burns on this. Dude, Clay, this game is going to be awful. I mean, it's two well, mirror I, well, images I mean, of one another. Uh, a fr- true freshman quarterback against Nick Saban. This is, what, first to 17 wins? I think it's going to be low scoring, but I don't necessarily think that means it's going to be awful. I mean, I think you go back and look at that LSU-Alabama game in 2011. The title game was not good, but you look at the overall amount of talent that was on the field. And this is my thing about people who are coming at the SEC. 
I believe it's 12 straight years SEC teams have had the most NFL draftees. This will make nine out of 12 years that an SEC team has won the national title. Uh, my guy, Todd Furman, I know you know Todd, uh, did, did a breakdown in late November and said, okay, if you put the SEC teams 1-14 to 14 up against the, the, uh, the Big Ten, the SEC is going to be favored in 10 of those games. What? So he said the, yeah. that? Yeah. Damn, oh, yeah. I missed that. Huh. Yeah, you can check it out. If you want to Google it, you can go look at it. We broke it down. Um, you know, outkick, uh, just type in outkick SEC versus Big Ten. Um, and so when you look at these matchups, it, the SEC is not just good at the top. It's good top to bottom. And look, I, I think that would it be more sexy if Baker Mayfield was in the title game? Oh, I think there's no doubt, <laughs> right? Because he's a, he's a guy that everybody has an opinion on. He's obviously also rolling into the NFL. and This could impact his overall draft stock. Uh, Clemson, I think, is effectively very similar to Georgia and Alabama. So I think, honestly, when you get into the playoff, and uh, these four teams, I I think three of them were very similar. And by the way, would Ohio State have made this game a lot more entertaining? I mean, JT Barrett, to me, is an incredibly unentertaining quarterback to watch over the last four years as well. Yeah. Uh, We talk with Clay Travis, Mr. Tennessee, the snow czar of the South, so, so I know your big knock on uh, Alabama is Jalen Hurts is not very good. Yes. Hey, Clay, how about this stat? He hasn't thrown an interception since the middle of October. I mean, the guy yeah, never the he, he doesn't make turn the ball over. Yeah, that, I mean, he fumbles. He but does fumble occasionally. Thing, yeah, the best thing you can say about him from a quarterback perspective is he hasn't thrown interceptions, <laughs> and uh, that to me is never like a strong endorsement of how the quarterback is playing because it also means he's probably not one throwing the ball that much, and two not necessarily taking chances like. Baker Mayfield throws interceptions, but it's because he's trying to make big plays. And so, um, to me, the game against Clemson kind of personified this. And, look, I've watched every game Jalen Hurts has played in his career. So, uh, and most of the time, I've seen almost every snap, right? And one of the great uh, uh, trials and tribulations of my life right now is that my seven-year-old has decided he's a huge Alabama Crimson Tide fan. Oh, no. Yeah, my six-year-old is like Mr. Patriots now. He just loves the Patriots because they're good. And you know me, I'm a Jets guy. I hate the Patriots. Yeah, I don't know what dads are supposed to do when their own offspring end up loving teams that well, we you're hate. You're not buying so. him Alabama gear, are you? Oh, my wife has bought him oh, Alabama gear. Oh, yeah. no. I refuse yeah, he's, to do Right that. now he's downstairs in his Bo Scarborough jersey. He loves Bo Scarborough, Alabama's running back. Um, but so uh, so I, I think the, the question to me, why I'm betting on Georgia here, why I've got Georgia plus four, and why I, I do agree with you, I like the under. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. Uh, but why I like Georgia is I think Jake Fromm is better than uh, than Jalen Hurts, even though he's a year younger, even though he's a true freshman, even though he's going up against this Alabama defense. Remember, this Alabama defense is the same defense that Kirby Smart runs. So Fromm has seen this defense every day in practice for nine months uh, and knows exactly what they're going to do from play to play. doesn't mean he's going to be great against them, but ultimately I define a quarterback based on how he's going to do on third and eight. Can he make a throw when everybody knows that he has to make a throw to get a first down? And I think Jake Fromm is better than that than Jalen Hurts. Now, Jalen Hurts might scramble for 40 yards on third and eight, and that might be the difference maker in this game. But ultimately, I think Georgia's going to spy him with Roquan Smith. I don't think they're going to let him move uh, and run around that much in the pocket and get outside and make plays. So I think he's going to have to beat Georgia with his arm, and I just don't think he can do that. I've watched him play a great deal, and especially in the playoff when teams get even more time to prepare and the, the ratchet uh, they ratchet up the level of intensity. 
I just think that Fromm is better than Jalen Hurts, which is why I think Georgia's going to win this game. Oh, my goodness. Shocking. All right, Clay, I'll get you out of here. Uh, what's your uh, your bet on the Titans? They're eight-and-a-half-point dogs today in an ugly game against Kansas City. Uh, yeah. By the way, by the know, way I, I'm I, sorry that you have to watch Mike Malarkey coach football games. He is well, by far been, the worst coach in the playoffs. It's not even it's close. It's been nine years since the Titans were in the playoffs, so I'm just trying to enjoy the fact that they're in the playoffs. I think that they've stunted uh, Mike, Marcus Mariota's growth, uh, Mike Malarkey has, in year three. I would love to see somebody... I guess we lost Clay in the middle of him talking about Mike uh, Malarkey, the awful Tennessee Titans coach. Uh, maybe maybe the snow clipped Clay there, uh, but good stuff from Clay Travis. Uh, not exactly sure what happened. We're trying to get him back on the line. Clay, we got we got you back. You there, Clay? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, I, I thought the snow got there. you, buddy. I uh, hope you're all right. My phone. <laughs> yeah. So Mike Malarkey uh, back in the playoffs for the first time in nine years. Yeah, the Titans haven't been in the playoffs since 2008, and I think the play has to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Unless, and I mean this honestly, you remember back in Varsity Blues when Johnny Moxon just decided we're going to call all our own plays and we're not going to allow the coaches to uh, to make bad decisions for us? I, I think Marcus Mariota should do that this 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 game with the uh, the Titans offense because when they've allowed him to call plays, it's been much better. Oh, okay, Clay, we just have breaking news according to Ian Rappaport. Mike Malarkey with a loss could be out of a job. The Titans are gonna are prepared to make a run at Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator. Uh your quick thoughts on, on Mike Malarkey maybe losing today and then losing his job. I love look, the offense has been awful. So I love the idea of bringing in somebody like Sean McVay. They did it at the Ramps with uh, Jared Goff. Look at the difference it made from yeah. year one to year two with him. Uh, remember that Mariota's had two different head coaches already in just three years. And I know, I've watched him play, he can't be a stud at this position. I think the Titans' offense has been woefully inadequate with him. And so I love the idea of bringing in an offensive quarterback guru to work with him and mold him. Remember, he's only 24. He just turned 24 this year. So I have a lot of faith in him. but, uh, But this year was obviously not as good as the previous two years. Um, and so uh, my hope is that uh, that they can find somebody who wow. can make him yeah. uh, kind of come into his full I mean, fruition of his abilities. Clay, you know who this is bad news for? Your Tennessee Vols. I'm telling you, Josh McDaniels and Marcus Mariota make them the most interesting team in the state. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry about your Vols, but that this is huge for the Titans. It would be huge, but you know what's going to happen is uh, the Titans will bungle it. And they'll go hire somebody nobody else wants. <laughs> or they'll win this game. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks a to, lot uh, to the Patriots. Enjoy the uh, the snoozer Monday night. Good luck with your son's basketball team this season. I, I think that's so fun, dude. Uh, yeah, I need it. Good catching Thank up. You and yours. Appreciate you having me All on. All right, here. man. That was Clay Travis, the great Fox Sports Radio host. Outkicked the coverage Monday through Friday on this station. He's one of the best in the business. All right, coming up next here on the Big Lead, Fox Sports Radio. I don't know. We may have to scrap NBA to talk about this. Josh McDaniels. Uh, Tennessee Titans development. I mean, Josh McDaniels has already interviewed three places. Uh, How bad does he want to get out of New England? Next on the Big Lead, Fox Sports Radio. Back here on the Big Lead, Fox Sports Radio. Fun stuff from Clay Travis, Fox Sports Radio host. Outkick the coverage Monday through Friday. Clay's been in the radio game for a while. See, that's the cool thing about being here at Fox. I'm getting a front row seat to guys who have been in the industry. Clay Travis, been in radio for 10 years now. 
or more. Colin Cowherd, radio, TV, 10, 15 years. And I'm trying to learn from them and see what I can gather to become who knows what. Who knows what the heck I want to become. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Uh, So, actually, we're going to push back this NBA talk. Gosh, I was just looking at some of the box scores last night. And, uh, my gosh, that Lakers game, hideous. I I, I watched a little of it. Um, It was bad. So, we'll do the NBA in 10 minutes. I quickly want to... uh, touch on this NFL coaching thing. This Josh McDaniels development this morning, breaking news, Josh McDaniels is prepared to interview with the Tennessee Titans if Mike Malarkey loses his game. So let me get this straight. Mike Malarkey coaches the Titans, gets them in the playoffs. They're eight and a half point dogs. You've got no DeMarco Murray. And Marcus Mariota in his first playoff game on the road against Andy Reid as eight and a half point underdogs. And if the coach loses, he's out. That is that's ruthless. I kind of like that. I guess right. You kind of got right. I mean that's that's. I, I mean that's rough for Mike McCarthy. If you're seeing this, it just, does this become a kitchen sink game? Are you like shucks? Well, every trick play, we got to pull out all the stops. I mean, if if you know that you're going to get fired if they lose this and they want to interview Josh McDaniels. You know, listen, that's pretty bad. So here's how it's gone for the Titans. They had Ken Wisenhunt. That didn't work out. Then they drafted Mariota. Didn't work out, but Mariota was good. They fire Wisenhunt, bring in Malarkey, 9-7 and seven last year. Back to 9-7 and seven this year, but get in the playoffs. The problem is, the real problem, and I know nobody really cares about the Tennessee Titans, even though they're in a playoff game here in a few hours. They're boring. They're not a quality brand of football. You watch them, and it's like, what's wrong with these guys? Boring. Why are they calling these plays like this? It, listen, if you're the Alabama Crimson Tide and you're boring, it doesn't matter. You've got five-star recruits all over the field. You're killing people. You're murdering teams. The Tennessee Titans are losing because of the play calling. Marcus Mariota has regressed. I mean, he he was he looked like he was on the cusp of a breakout last year. I know he's only 24 years old, just turned 24 in October. But this is a guy last year who was uh, 26 TDs, only nine picks. He was ascending into a top 10 quarterback. So they draft a first round wide receiver in Corey Davis. And what happens with Mariota? He regresses. 13 TDs, 15 interceptions, a career high. 15 picks for Marcus Mariota. It's uncharacteristic. And then you're like, well, this guy's too talented to be doing this bad. This guy was a Chip Kelly star at Oregon. And then, you know, Chip Kelly's replacement, you know, I think went to a college football playoff with him. And it's like, well, geez, Marcus Mariota's doing great things. And all of a sudden, he's terrible this year. I think it's on Malarkey, who's not a very good coach. Now, you get Josh McDaniels running those RPOs with Marcus Mariota and Derrick Henry and throwing a Corey Davis. Uh, that team's got some weapons. Now, the defense leaves something to be desired, uh, and that's primarily why I don't think they have a chance. Front seven's not bad. 
but they're going to get lit up by Alex Smith today. And I know that sounds, you know, almost laughable, but yeah, it, this is a bad matchup for Tennessee. That their, their primary need here is in the secondary. Uh, I know they drafted the, um, the the kid of Dory Jackson, who's a who's really good on punt returns and pretty good in the secondary, but he's young. Uh, their secondary is bad, and uh, I expect them to lose today. I'll offer my full uh, NFL playoff picks later in the show, um, but I, I just think it's a brutal spot for Tennessee. And Josh McDaniels, listen, you go to the New York Giants, they ain't got nothing. Eli Manning, Davis Webb. Coming up next here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio, the death of the Patriots dynasty and a little bonus, a little NBA shoot around coming up next. Hour number three here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Good afternoon, East Coast. Good morning, West Coast. I'm your host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. What a show we've had for you. Two hours down, one to go. We got NFL picks coming up in 30 minutes with an MIT genius who wrote a movie. Oh, yeah. He's got the numbers breakdown. I have a bad feeling he likes underdogs this weekend, which is shocking because as a quick reminder, as we head into Wild Card Weekend, NFL favorites went 10-1 and in the playoffs last year. In Wild Card Weekend, NFL favorites who played at home went 4-0 and against the spread last year. And if you followed the NFL at all this season, the first quarter of the season, underdogs ruled. And since then, it's been... Favorites just eviscerating the competition. Like, it hasn't even been close. And one of those favorites we've spent a lot of time on today. The New England Patriots. Ah, they're not playing this weekend, but there's drama. The biggest story in the NFL by far. And it's not close. None of these coaching openings come even close to the end of the dynasty in New England. It's getting ugly. A good fight is never fair. And what we've seen in New England is a lot of backstabbing and a lot of looking out for number one. Folks, we've seen dynasties crumble before. Shaq and Kobe with the Lakers. That was ugly. The end of Brett Favre in Green Bay, equally ugly. But folks, we've never seen anything like this. Ever. Tom Brady, you can't blame him. Endings are never happy. They're the saddest part in sports. Tom Brady, I can't blame him for still wanting to play. He thinks he can play forever. Don't we all? Tom Brady could do that. Tom Brady could do that. Michael Jordan thought he could play forever. Said, oh, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come play with the Wizards. And how'd that work out for you, Mike? Didn't get to the playoffs. But he tried. He gave it two years. I can't blame Bill Belichick for trying to move on from Tom Brady and transition to Jimmy GQ. He had found his Aaron Rodgers. He had found his follow-up to the greatest quarterback in NFL history. He had a path to it, but Bob Kraft blocked him. The owner got in the way. 
leaders are supposed to be honest with themselves and say, listen, Bill Belichick built this. I got to let him do his thing, but I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Bill. I'm a 76-year-old owner, and I love me some Tom Brady. We had the author of that Patriots dynasty crumbling piece on the show in the first hour, and he said, listen, Bob Kraft would come out and hug Tom Brady in front of the entire team. They had a special relationship. Who becomes an NFL owner? Rich dudes who, you know, wanted to feel the love from players and feel close to them and make money and all that good stuff. And Tom Brady did all that. Tom Brady had a supermodel wife. Five Super Bowl rings. There's no way Bob Kraft wants to look like the bad guy who kicks the greatest quarterback in NFL history to the curb. But that's what leaders are supposed to do. They're going to say, you know what? We had a good run, Tom. I've got to defer to Bill here. I have to. And Bob couldn't. And that's why Bob Kraft is to blame for the end of the Patriots dynasty. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen right now. They're going to win next week. And the Chiefs will give them a game. But they'll beat Kansas City. And then in the AFC Championship, because it's at home, they're going to win that too. They're going to beat Jacksonville. And yes, I just told you, Jacksonville's going to be in the AFC Championship game. The Patriots will survive that one. It'll be close. And then it will get ugly because there's going to be a, that extra week between the Super Bowl and the Conference Championship games. And man, all anybody's going to be talking about is, so where's Josh McDaniels coaching next year? Is it uh, Tennessee? Is it going to be New York? Is it going to be the Indianapolis Colts? Where's Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator? Where's he going to be? And you know why all these lieutenants are leaving Bill Belichick, right? Maybe they think Belichick is leaving. Maybe they think it's the end. Time to move on. I don't want to be the guy left standing here and there's no chair to sit in musical chairs. And then, here's how you need to think about the end of the dynasty. It's not just the coordinators. If you're the quarterback's coach and Josh McDaniel says, come and be my offensive coordinator, <laughs> you're passing on that? You want to play You want to play with Tom Brady? You want to coach him up at 41 when you don't know if Belichick's going to be there? Or are you going with Josh McDaniels for the next phase of your career? So it's not just the coordinators, people. The end of the dynasty in New England is so fascinating to watch because that two weeks between the, between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl is going to get real messy. And I do not think the New England Patriots will win the Super Bowl And at the end of the season, I think Belichick's gone, either somewhere else or retiring. I floated the New York Giants on this show December 24th. But let me just leave you with this before we pivot to the NBA. Ursay in Indianapolis is legitimately crazy. Would he, would he say, Bill, I will back away. Your show, you can kick Ballard to the curb. You can be GM. You can be coach. You can coach Andrew Luck. You can do it all here. You can be bigger than Peyton Manning was. You can lead Andrew Luck to greatness for the next five, six, seven years. Bill Belichick, come to Indianapolis. Could it happen? Rob? Nick, any shot? I mean, listen, I floated the Giants last month. Everybody's floating the Giants now, so that's not fun. I'm floating the Colts as my 
Hail Mary destination for Bill Belichick. Your quick thoughts before you move to the NBA. <laughs> It'd be a good story, right? That would be so but fun. And he'd face. I think you're just throwing darts at a dartboard, though, Jason. Isn't everybody? Come Isn't on. that what we're doing, Nick? I mean, we're doing no, that with I, everything. No, I get you. I get you. But I, that just I has to reach. It. I would love the Jets, frankly, but that's the no shot of that. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the NBA. We have, we've barely talked NBA. I, I need to get something off my chest here. Russell Westbrook was asked in L.A. this week, Hey, Russ, are you going to recruit Paul George to keep him around? Because he said he wants to come to L.A. He's from California. Are you going to recruit him? And Russ said, no, we're going to win a championship, and that'll be the recruiting tool. God, is Russell Westbrook delusional? Is he that arrogant? you got to be kidding me. Russell Westbrook is not going to recruit Paul George, and I, and I know why. Because he's scared. He's insecure. He got burned by Kevin Durant. Durant bailed. And now he knows if I try to recruit Paul George and I fail, well... I'm a two-time loser. Well, guess what? If you have a long-term relationship with a girl and you get burned at the end and she cheats on you and you're left holding the bag, it's not easy to go and commit to another girl after that. Now, I've never been through that. I've seen friends have gone through it, and they don't want to commit. So, of course, Russ is not going to commit. Oh, Paul George, I, you know, I'm all in, I'm all in. And then you get ditched because we all know Paul George is leaving. Even Russell Westbrook has to know. He can't be that delusional to think we're going to win a chip. Does he really think that? There's no way he thinks that, guys. I mean, I just think Russell Westbrook is insecure, and that's understandable given what happened with Kevin Durant. Your thoughts, uh, Nick and Rob? I, th- I think just arrogance, like you said. I really don't think he's an idiot. I know he he can't do it by himself, but Jason, are maybe they're no, not No, but getting... he thinks he can do it by himself. True, but what, are they? maybe they're not getting along as good as it looks? Is that crazy? Maybe I mean, Paul George is only saying nice things, right? Yeah, but that's what they all say. That, that's a fair point. I mean, like, listen, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were getting along until he left, right? Uh, and I'm looking at the standings now. OKC is fifth. They're only a game and a half back of the Timberwolves for the four seed. Is there a scenario where Russell Westbrook convinces Paul George to stay? I think they're going to have to push the Warriors to a long series, I think. The Warriors. Can we get them past the Spurs first? Can we get them past <laughs> the Rockets or the my Timberwolves? I'm just so disappointed in what Thibodeau's doing. I know they're eight games over 500, but I can't do Thibodeau, I cannot deal. Play your bench. Rest these guys for the playoffs. All right, Rob, any NBA thoughts as we bounce around the league real quick? Yeah, I got a uh... A statement here about Paul Pierce. Now, you mentioned Ooh. earlier in the show about Isaiah Thomas, you know, trying to dictate when his uh, video Pierce. tribute was going to be. I, I Okay. Now, I'm sure you saw this too, but Paul Pierce, he didn't want the uh, Isaiah Thomas to move it to a different day because the day that they were going to choose was the day that Paul Pierce was going to have his jersey oh, retired gosh. by the Celtics. And Paul Pierce was not happy about it, saying that he doesn't want, he wants that Kobe treatment. He wants the video montage of Paul Pierce throughout every commercial. Now, in the words of Draymond Green, you ain't Kobe, okay? You don't get that kind of love. Wait, Paul Pierce really is talking like this? He really said that. Now, I looked up some of the stats here on Basketball Reference. Isaiah Thomas' last season in Boston last year was better than any season that Paul (laughs) Pierce has ever had. 
Dude, Paul is Pierce Celtic. is so overrated. I mean, Paul like, Pierce. listen, he's going to the Hall of Fame. He got a championship. Paul Pierce was never going to win jack squat in Boston never. until the big three showed up. And I could even make an argument, which is a little hot takey. Antoine Walker was better during their time oh, in Boston whoa. when they played together. See, it's all skewed because Paul Pierce got to play with KG and Ray exactly. Allen. Exactly. So we don't know. I mean, like, Antoine Walker was an awesome player. Paul Pierce was very good. But, again, you know, like, super team. Like, I, I Paul Pierce needs to shut his mouth. Yeah, he does. It's so overrated. I mean, come on. Is he a top three Celtic of all time? Hell no. I don't, I can't. Larry top Bird? Five? No. Mikhail Parrish Bird? I don't, know about, three Mikhail, right I don't know about Mikhail. Mikhail was better than Paul Pierce. Nick? Bill Russell. There's I don't four. have the stats in front of me, but mm, McKay, I mean, tough. John Havlicek. Havlicek, Kuzi, Russell, Bird. Yeah, I don't think Paul Pierce is a top three. Paul Pierce coming player. off the bench, getting those Slava Medvedenko minutes. Oh, waving God. the towel, showing oh, a lot of enthusiasm. He's going in on Paul Pierce. <laughs> uh, all right, Nick, do you have any thoughts around the league? Any- uh, really quick. So you mentioned Isaiah Thomas earlier. I'm so over this Isaiah Thomas. I know, but, but really quick, I'm curious. No, so he came back Tuesday against Portland, but he didn't come back against Boston the next night. Do you think that was on purpose, or do you think it's? Do you think that was weak if he did? Yeah, why didn't you just make your first game Boston? Like, it's so... Yeah. yeah. It was so overblown. Here's the thing. So, this story was, like, the number one story in sports for, like, a day. After the college football semifinal games, you know, it was like, okay, Isaiah Thomas. I was like, when did this happen? Isaiah Thomas is a national figure? I was shocked. Uh... We don't have a ton of time here. So James Harden's out for two weeks. The Warriors are going to run away with the West. Are the Warriors going to lose a game in the Western Conference playoffs? Yes or no? As of now, they would face the Pelicans, who are a game over five hundred. Then they would face the Timberwolves or Thunder, and then the Rockets or Spurs. Will they lose a... Okay, over under 1.5 losses for the Warriors. Over. In the play- over. I they, think they'll lose a couple games. In the West last year, they were, I believe, 12-0. and 0. Yes. And I you're think, saying over 1.5? I think Houston or OKC can give them a game. Wait, give them a series or one game? No, one game. Rob? Yeah, I have them losing twice. Not because I think that they're not good enough to sweep through, but because they're going to run into that Laker mindset where they can just turn it on and turn it off whenever they want. And they're going to have a game like how the first half against San Antonio in game one where they just didn't show up for a first half. And you can't do that in the playoffs every game. So I think they'll they'll lose two. Two is the magic number for me. Two. two. I'm going under 1.5, and I'm taking out a loan to to bet under 1.5. You guys got to be kidding me. Come on. These Joe The Rockets. Did you see those guys jack 53s the other night? It's like Gerald Green was in street clothes a week ago, and he comes out and just jacks 15 threes. And they, I mean, Mike D'Antoni, dude, it's never going to happen against the Warriors. Never. All right, the, uh, up next on the Big Lead Fox Sports Radio, another former New England Patriots going to come on this show, probably bash Tom Brady, probably bash Bill Belichick because they're out of the league. You know, they got- Back here on the Big Lead Fox Sports Radio, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Hey, some more breaking news. How fun is this in the NFL? It's Wild Card Saturday, and there is news popping left and right. So about an hour ago, we had the report that 
Mike Malarkey's job is on the line here. A loss could mean Josh McDaniels interviews for the Titans job next week. The other piece of news that just popped, again, the Kansas City Chiefs are playing today. Here we go. Alex Smith and the Chiefs could be parting ways at the end of the season. Not major news. Every They just drafted Pat Mahomes. But the two landing spots for Alex Smith could be, you heard it on this show, the Cleveland Browns. New GM is Mr. Dorsey, who was just in KC, and also the Arizona Cardinals. There could be draft implications, free agency. Folks, the NFL this offseason is going to be complete and utter madness. But first, before the offseason, we've got the playoffs, and we've got the biggest story in sports, the New England Patriots. Absolutely falling apart. The dynasty is crumbling. And we got a former Patriot joining the show now to talk to us about it. Welcome in Jonas Gray, the former Notre Dame star who played with the Patriots for one season. Jonas Gray, good morning, good afternoon. How are you? I'm good, Jason. How you doing, baby? Appreciate I'm excellent. That. I'm excellent. Jonas, as soon as I started uh, you know, announcing, hey, we're talking to Jonas Gray, everybody said, you got to ask him about Bill Belichick and the alarm clock. Jonas, I, I mean, <laughs> listen, you're still a young guy. How often do you get asked about this? Actually, not that often. I oh, mean, really? More than anything, I, I, people always ask me about Bill and Tom and how it was to play for them, but a lot of people kind of really have kind of forgotten about that story. Only people that really remember it a whole lot is the Patriots fans. <laughs> I mean, which listen, is okay, which is cool. I'm okay with that. <laughs> it, it, it was just it was a typical Belichick move, and I think it ties in great to this story. So, as everybody knows, Jonas Gray ran for 200, 200 yards, four TDs. I think it was a Sunday night football game, right? Uh, nationally game, yeah. televised game. You guys destroy the Colts. Uh, it, it was like 42 to 20 in a bloodbath. And everybody's saying, oh, Jonas Gray is going to be the next great running back for the Patriots. But what happened during that week? Um, for a meeting, and his rule is always if you come late for a meeting, you pretty much just need to go home and not even worry about coming into work that day. <laughs> And after uh, I came in late and I got a chance to speak to him about it, he let me know he was benching me for the next game. And, I mean, the rest is history from there. Well, well now, wait a second. Talk me through the uh, – you, you show up late. And you, you meet one-on-one with Belichick or in front of the whole team? Or just the running backs or what? No, it was just when I showed up late, I didn't actually meet with anyone at the time. Bill then sent me home. And told me to come back later. When I came back, I had spoken to him in the evening when everybody was gone and, you know, things had kind of calmed down a little bit. I spoke to him in the evening. Actually, I spoke to him uh, in the weight room while he was on the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold up, hold up. So so Belichick, did you see him face-to-face and he says, just go home, I don't want to do Was it gruff or friendly, like, hey, you, you know the rules, you were late? Was he a jerk about going home, come back later, or was he friendly about it? I didn't even speak to him then oh, about it. Okay. I didn't even speak to him till after okay. when I came back later in the evening. And he was pretty cool about it. He was just like, I've had guys in this program who have been here much longer than me and have never missed any time at all, never been late or never had any issues. So he just said not to let it happen again and that he'd be mentioning me for the game. Oh, so you didn't think it was the end of the world, right? You were just like, man, I screwed up. That was unlucky of me, blah, blah, blah. I, I didn't think that it was going to be something that would carry on for the rest of the season. Not at all. Did you ever have a chance to to talk to Bill again about this one-on-one, or was the treadmill the only meeting? 
the treadmill was the only meeting, but I mean, we talked a bunch in between that and about you know X's and O's, about game plans and stuff. So he never really harped on that. I I, I felt like he never you know held that against me that one time. Okay. Well, that, that's nice of Bill Belichick. We're talking with Jonas Gray, former Patriots running back. Okay, so you move on from that, and you see what's going on now with Brady, Belichick, Kraft. I, I've got to ask you, Jonas, do you believe Belichick wanted to trade or move on from Tom Brady to Garoppolo, and Bob Kraft would not let him because Tom Brady is the, the prodigal son in, in New England? I have a hard time believing oh. that Bill wanted to trade Tom. Huh? Why is that? I, I really have a hard time believing that. Well, what do you, what do you, why do you think Bill's so angry then? I just think that he didn't want to trade Garoppolo, maybe, because I, I can even tell. I mean, he didn't get much for him. But yeah. I can also see how, I mean, he always, in these situations, he always does what's best for the team. I mean, I remember I was there and he traded Logan Mankins out of nowhere, you know, a pro, all pro guard, all pro lineman, been there for how many years with Tom, and he just up and traded him one day, and I remember guys were scratching their head, but he always does what's best for the team. Yeah, let, talk me through that. So, so you're in the locker room or, or practice, whatever, and you, what do you get it on your phone that Logan Mankins was traded, or he just doesn't show up? And and what's the mood like after that happens? You know, he's actually there at the time, oh. and there is. And I guess the lineman had broke out of a meeting and the, the offensive line coach at the time had expressed to them what was going on. And it was just rumblings through the locker room, like, wow, we, we traded Logan, we traded Logan. And and everybody kept saying, I remember some guys who hadn't been there as long, just like me, were saying, well, isn't that one of Tom's best friends? Like, they wouldn't do that. That's Tom's guy. And, I mean, he did it. And, he just, <laughs> you know, he does what's the best for the team. Jeez. But at, at, at what point... You know, do you have to say, listen, this is Tom Brady. He's the best quarterback in NFL history. He uh, got us five Super Bowls. At what point do you have to say, listen, we we have to keep Tom as our guy. We've got to trade Garoppolo. Or, and Jonas, this is the difficult decision. Do you say, listen, we've got Aaron Rodgers potentially sitting here on the bench. Tom Brady, no quarterbacks played into his 40s. Let's move on. Uh, I see. I just have a hard time. I mean, he he may have done that. He may have said that you know we got to start preparing for when Tom's not there. But I can't see him saying the best move is to trade him. Hmm. Okay. All right, Jonas Gray, uh, former Notre Dame running back, and uh, played with the Patriots as well. So, Jonas, l- let me just ask you this. I guess in 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 wrapping up regarding uh, Tom Brady and, and the work ethic and what you saw. Did you, I mean, do you feel this guy can really play into like his his forties? Again, we're talking about a forty year old quarterback who just had his worst month in three years. December was his worst month in three years. Yeah, uh, see, I, I think he can, but see, a, a lot of people who I mean, I didn't know Tom very well. I mean, I had a relationship with him, playing him with him. I was in the locker room with him a whole lot in the meeting room. I sat right behind him. I was more of always an observer of him. I was always in awe. So the one thing I noticed always was his routine. His routine was by far something I can tell he had cultivated over those, you know, those period of time, those 14, 15 years when I was there with him. And Alex Guerrero was a big part of that routine. Ah. And so I can see, because, I mean, 
you think about it, I, I went to TB12 a lot myself. And I, the protocol when I was there was always go to the training staff first, get your treatment, do everything you need to do. Then you can go to TB12 if you want to. It was never, but when it came to time in TB12, Alex Guerrero, like most media reports, had just complete access to the team, to lock them to the facilities to be able to work with Tom. Huh. And for that, you know, that to say that Tom has cultivated this routine over all these years, and then something out of nowhere, you know, Bill decides to stop something that, you know, kind of hurts that routine that he's put together, I, I can see how that can hurt his ability to play long term. Hmm. So in your experiences with Guerrero, people are calling him a guru, a snake oil salesman. Where, where do you kind of fall on that? I, I, I'm falling more on the uh, the guru part, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I was there, I mean, I, I had a little nicks and injuries, like ankle and, you know, shoulder and quad. I mean, the work he used to do on me was great. I, I felt like it really helped speed up my recovery. And I know having Tom, you know, Tom, whenever he has a nick or a bruise or something like that, Alex is literally right there to work on it right away. On the, lo- on the sideline, uh, you know, in the locker room, he's right there to work on it. So to have that taken away, I think it's, it's, it's an adjustment for Tom, which is hard for a player in his 18th year to have to make that type of adjustment. It almost feels like punishment, Jonas for going to Bob Kraft and saying trade Garoppolo. Again, I'm reading under the tea leaves a little bit. Uh, hey, that's a good way to read it, though. I mean, that's a possibility. All right, uh, Jonas Gray, let me get you out of here on this one. News just breaking. Another Patriots assistant coach, linebackers coach Brian Flores, interviewing for the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job. Jonas, almost every assistant on the staff is interviewing somewhere. What does that tell you? Oh, wow. That just tells me that, uh, you know, guys are just, you know, getting their ducks in the order and just preparing just like anybody else will for the next job. Um, I, you know, every year I feel like there's there's some time where uh, assistants leave or Bill, you know, decides to move on from the assistant or another assistant gets a job somewhere else. So I think this is really the normal course okay. of action. All right. But it, it does raise some eyebrows that everybody is in a room for jobs. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Jonas, great. Thank you very much for taking the time this morning. Uh, it, it, you know, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. All right. That was Jonas Gray. Good stuff. Hey, Rob, that was a great get, man. I like that guy. We're going to have to bring him back on the show. Jonas Gray, deep inside the Patriots locker room, worked with spiritual guru Alex Guerrero. Keep his number, Rob. Good stuff. Uh, coming up next year on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio, we're talking with a gambling guru who wrote a movie. He's not allowed to play blackjack in Vegas. you got to hear from this guy. That's next. But first, Isaac Lohenkron for the latest in sports. Jason, NFL media reported that Ron Rivera's contract extension with the Carolina Panthers is a done deal. Two years for $15.5 million through the 2020 campaign. Elsewhere, the Green Bay Packers' search for a new general manager has apparently been met with an icy reception. No pun intended. Actually, 
to be honest, pun intended. NFL media reporting also that the Packers requested permission to interview Seahawks general manager John Schneider, but the Seahawks denied the request. Then Adam Schefter reported that the Packers also requested permission to interview Raiders general manager Reggie McKenzie, but McKenzie declined the request. Both Schneider and McKenzie previously had long stints in the Packers' front office. We're less than four hours away from kicking off the 2018 NFL playoffs with an AFC wildcard game between the Titans and Chiefs. Then tonight at 8.15 Eastern, the Rams host the Atlanta Falcons at the Los Angeles Coliseum in an NFC wildcard game. And one footnote, Jason, the performer at halftime for that game between the Rams and Falcons at the L.A. Coliseum, none other than Snoop Dogg. It was announced yesterday. All right. Thank you, Isaac. Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, wild card weekend begins in a few hours indeed. You know, uh, the next guest, we've had him on the show before. He is friggin' smart as hell. He's also banned from playing, uh, I believe, blackjack in several Vegas casinos. Uh, I, I have to say this, though. I became a huge fan of his podcast, Bet the Process, and I followed him on the Super Contest, and I can proudly say, yes, I finished ahead of the Bet the Process guys in the Super Contest. And that's because favorites took over in the NFL. I'm not a usually a favorite better, um, but I don't follow the great statistical stuff this gentleman does. So joining the show now is Jeff Ma. He hosts Bet the, Proce- Bet the Process, a podcast with a guy who may have a fake name, Rufus Peabody. Um, Jeff, good afternoon. Oh, no, you're in L.A., right? Good morning. How are you? I'm in San Francisco, so it is morning. Yeah, good to good to join you. Yeah, hey, uh, what happened in the Super Contest, Jeff? I I, I got to start there. You you guys love underdogs, and what I mean, this season was not good for underdogs. Yeah, I mean, I think a few things happened. One, I, we we often made our picks, and this is not an excuse. I mean, contests are obviously pretty hard, and and we performed, you know, just a bit over 500, barely breaking 500. I think. Um, I think that it, we didn't play the contest to win the contest. We played the contest to basically provide interesting content about the picks that we were making. And so we oftentimes didn't know the actual lines when we were recording. So that probably hurt us. Um, we didn't play the stale line situations. Like, you know how it happens sometimes where uh, an injury is announced. I mean, the, the Deshaun yes. Watson injury, we, we did not change our pick in that case. Um, we just kept it as it was. So we definitely left some some points on the table that way. But then generally our picks weren't great. Um, our picks weren't great this year, and it was because um, from an analytics standpoint, we, we tended to play, as you said, more underdogs. Um, and this year, as we know, I think from week seven on, the favorites really just took off um, in the NFL. Uh, a lot of the sports books have, record, have said that they haven't done very well, and, and favorites have continued to do pretty well. I mean, there's there's some theories for why this is. There's some theories that, like, maybe sports books are so worried about the analytics and the sharp people that they are giving opportunities for favorites in, in situations where they haven't in the past. Hmm. Um, I just chalk this up to sort of a small sample size. I mean, I think it's a good segue into this week where yes. I think the value is really on all the, the underdogs this week. Now, it's interesting you say that, Jeff, because... Last year in the playoffs, favorites went 10-1, and one, I believe, against the spread, uh, with yeah. the Packers being the only team to cover as a dog. And and in Wild Card Weekend, the home teams against the spread were 4-0, the favorites. So yeah. I, it's, it's very shaky to me that you love the dogs. But like you said, maybe the lines are skewed. Now let's start with Kansas City 
uh, and Tennessee. I don't know how closely you've been following Twitter, and this does not play that much into the analytics, but stuff like this. Uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network says Mike Malarkey's job is on the line today, and if he loses this game, Josh McDaniels could be brought in to interview. Now, you how do you add that to your model when you're looking at games, or can you not? I, I don't think you do because I mean I think that when you know we had a podcast uh, going into Week 17 where we talked about all the sort of like armchair psychology that a lot of the pundits and you know mainstream media tries to do. Um, I, I think it's really hard to actually do this. You're not in the locker room. You don't know what the, how they feel about malarkey. You don't even know how they react. I mean, I think the reality of the situation is that Malarkey is not a very good coach. Um, that's uh, probably, uh, you know, a strike against him going into this game. But when I look at this game, I look at a Kansas City team that really people don't know how to value. I think when they were really good, people overvalued them. When they were really bad, people undervalued them. And really what they are is, a, is an above-average team. They are not an elite team. They are an above-average team, and they're playing – probably a very average team, if not a slightly below average team um, in Tennessee. But I, I just think that in this case, when you're getting, you know, eight and a half points um, for two teams that probably aren't that different in ability, I mean, I think that Tennessee's defense is much better than Kansas City's defense. Obviously, um, there are concerns about Mariota's ability to pass against um, a Kansas City defense that plays a lot of man-to-man, and that's where Mariota seems to struggle uh, but I do like the fact that Derrick Henry will be probably getting more of a share of the carries. Um, and, and I just think that the, the eight and a half points, again, is probably inflated by a point and a half. Okay. Uh, one more quick question. So, Kansas, now your models are, are tracking the entire season. But what something big happened in Kansas City where they struggled in the middle of the season and then Andy Reid, I guess, gave up the play calling or uh, someone else took over and they went back to Kareem Hunt and they started scoring more. Do, do you do, hey, first quarter of the season this, last quarter of the season this, they're two different teams, or does that not matter at all? It, it doesn't matter, um, typically in models. I mean, certainly there is a little bit of, of you know, you try to weigh um, recent results a little bit more, but not not really, though, because, I mean, in the, at the end of the day, the reason that um, inefficiencies or value gets created in sports betting is because people tend to overvalue what they've seen recently um, too much. It's something called recency bias. I think a lot of people talk about this in mainstream media. It's like if a team gets killed one week, the next week they have value because people can only imagine that team getting killed. And I think, again, if you go back to sort of a lot of the narratives around this game, the narratives are exactly the things you're saying. And and that's what I think creates the real value for Tennessee in this game. That's a great point. Okay, uh, we're talking with Jeff Ma, uh, big stat guy. He's got a great uh, podcast you need to listen to, Bet the Process. But let me ask you another one. So the Jacksonville Jaguars' run defense was crap early this year. They then trade with the Bills for Marcel Darius. And in the second half of the season, they went from uh, 32nd in yards per carry to 4th after the trade. So how do, you, how do you value that in your equation? Or again, is this another situation, hey, it happened recently, it doesn't matter? Well, Here's what I think that you have to understand about analytics. When someone doesn't weigh something into their model, they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily saying it doesn't matter, right? Like motivation and those types of things. We're not saying it doesn't matter. What we're saying is 
man, it is really hard to quantify that. And it's really hard to, like, quantify the value of one defensive tackle or one defensive end or one wide receiver. And so, in general, what we try to, what we do is we, we don't ignore it, but we basically don't have it in the model. And then subjectively, you can try to adjust in certain cases if you believe, like, hey, my model is not figuring in the fact that Marcel Darius has, has fundamentally changed this run defense. Now, in the case of Jacksonville, again, like, I do think that's too many points to be giving to a, a Buffalo team, which, you know, again, like, the narrative around Buffalo and Tennessee is they both had negative point differential. They're below average teams, but they are in the playoffs. And I think Jacksonville and uh, Kansas City are both good teams, but they're certainly not elite. So the world where they're giving this many points to these types of teams, it just seems too much. And so, again, like, I'll leave the, you know, micro analysis based on individual players to sort of the experts. And what I'm going to try to do is look at a larger sample size to understand where the inefficiencies are going to be in the betting market. So, so wait, so Jags' point differential was 149 plus, and the Bills was negative 57. Yeah. I, I mean, Jeff, I, I just, I, I mean, I just feel bad for anybody putting money on Buffalo. How about this? The Bills sneak into the playoffs thanks to someone else. There's a huge snowstorm. I don't think there's going to be a dozen Bills fans at the game this week. Honestly, I don't even think they can fly down to Jacksonville. For the game. And, and again, that's not numbers based, so you don't factor that stuff in, right? Well, again, like the, you just, you brought up an interesting point, right? Which is, which is the, the value of home field. And what does the value of home field come from? If, if you, if you listen to a lot of the supposed experts for the last three or four years, they said Jacksonville has zero yeah. home field advantage or has one of the smallest in the, in the, but all of a sudden now because they're good, they have a great <laughs> home field advantage. So, it's just it's just one of those things that like home field. I think there's a lot of things that factor into home field. One is travel. Uh, one is certainly the crowd. One is certainly the officiating. Another is the familiarity by the home team of the situation that they're in. So again, all of these things figure into a home field advantage, and it isn't just like how many fans are in the seats. That's I would say a very overrated part of home field advantage. All right, Jeff. My last question. If you had to pick one stat that was most important that you looked at heading into a game, whether it's heading into Falcons-Rams, what would that stat be for the listeners out there who are who are trying to get into this numbers game and gambling on sports? Yeah, I mean, I think the one that most people look at is, is net yards per play. So it's basically what yards per play you give up versus what yards per play that you get on offense. And if you compare those two, because what, what happens is, like, people look at records, people even look at points, and at the core, the most important thing is how many yards do you gain per play. Now, there are ways that that is misleading. One is, is strength of competition. Another is context. Obviously, if a team gets up really big, like Alabama did against Clemson, their net yards per, their yards per play is going to be low because they're playing very, very conservatively. Um, but their net yards per play in that game against Clemson was very high because Clemson's yards per play was even worse than Alabama's was. So basically net yards per play, the difference in yards per play you gain versus the yards per play you allow is probably the most important simple metric. Now, it doesn't tell everything, but if I were just going to say one metric, that would be the one I would look at. Awesome stuff. Jeff Ma, thank you very much. And again, love the podcast. Uh, I don't understand the Browns love, but I love the numbers. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Ma, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, thanks for having me. 
uh, this guy, Jeff Ma, yeah, seriously, you got to listen to his podcast. He, he's really sharp with the numbers. I don't even understand half the, the uh, analytics he's talking about, but I like learning. All right, coming up next, we will wrap the show. I wonder if more news will break on the NFL front. What a crazy morning it's been. That's next on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Oh, boy. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Producer Rob just jumped in my ear. Breaking news. I look up. The Lakers have released Andrew Bogut. Oh, man. (laughs) Sad days now. Listen, uh, okay, Patriots. How much time? We got got some time here. Listen, I, I just had a revelation during the commercial break. It's a feeding frenzy right now around the NFL going after Patriots assistance. A linebacker coach I ain't never heard of is interviewing for the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job. Never heard of him. I, I don't even know the uh I what neighbor Brian Neighbors or something like that. Who Brian Flores interviewing for a head coaching job. He's a linebacker coach. Folks, let me quickly go through the Bill Belichick coaching tree. Listen up. Get close to the radio for this. The Bill Belichick coaching tree in the NFL has been nothing but failures. Straight up failures. How'd Nick Saban do in the NFL, guys? Horrible, horrible. Really How's Bill Bill O'Brien is flopping around like as a head coach? I know he's been to the playoffs a couple times. He was in the worst division. Andrew Luck kept getting hurt, blah, blah, blah. Not done well. Romeo Cornell, how do he do as a head coach in the NFL? Rob, any good? My guy, Eric Mangini. I like him. I like Eric Mangini. He didn't do well. He's he's with me at Fox. Charlie Weiss, how do he do as a uh, as a head coach horrible, in the NFL. Uh, listen, the there is something to the, the the Bill Belichick system where him and Tom Brady are great and the assistants don't do jack squat anywhere else. So now everybody's in this feeding frenzy for Matt Patricia. That defense stunk this year. Buyer beware with the Patriots, assist, uh, with the Patriots assistants. I do like Josh McDaniels, however. Wild card picks this weekend. Take the favorites. Tease the favorites down under a field goal and win all the money. Have a great weekend. Talk to you next week. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.